Welcome everyone to In The Loop. What is up everybody? My name is Michael Burpo. Thanks again for listening to In The Loop. This week I'm joined by Stuart Blessman, who is the Director of Digital Marketing at Punchmark, and he just got back from JCK Las Vegas. And he tells me all about what the show is like. I didn't get to go this year, so I was kind of living vicariously through him. So he tells me all about what the show vibe was like, also what the after hours and the parties were like, as well as uh, what common questions he was getting at the Punchmark booth. It was a really cool talk. We just wanted to sort of wrap up JCK. It's such a big, important deal for uh, the entire jewelry industry. So if you didn't go, listen in. And if you did go, maybe you'll get mentioned. All right. Thanks, everybody. See you next week, Tuesday. This episode is brought to you by Punchmark, the jewelry industry's favorite website platform. Whether you're looking for better e-commerce performance, business growth, or campaigns that drive traffic and sales, Punchmark's website and marketing services were made just for you. It's never too late to transform your business with a user-friendly, point-of-sale integrated website platform designed for growth and results. Sign up for your free trial demo at punchmark.com. This episode is brought to you by The Smithy Group, a digital growth agency that helps leaders and businesses dream bigger and achieve multi-generational integrity. Through insights and intelligence, digital marketing, and advertising solutions, we help businesses expand their reach, grow their revenue, and make an impact. TSG has helped hundreds of businesses surpass their goals and believe that whatever your business, whatever your story, we will make it matter to your audience. And now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. I'm speaking with Stuart Blessman, Director of Digital Marketing at Punchmark. How are you doing today, Stu? Doing pretty good. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing all right. Um, so you just came back from JCK, what, like, when we are recording this, probably four days ago, three days ago? When did you get back? Two days ago. I uh, got back Tuesday night. Two days ago. Uh, but you know what? With the magic of podcasting, everything is, a, uh, is an illusion. So it could have been, could have been one day ago. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I guess... You know, Vegas, always a really good time. JCK, for the people that are listening, is the uh, largest show, I think, in the, uh, I know it's in, in the Western Hemisphere, but it's definitely, it's not technically in the world, but I like to say in the world. I guess we wanted to talk a little bit about what it was like. I didn't go this year. I went last year. Um, Stuart went last year, but also this year, so we can kind of get like a full range of things. What did you think this year, Stu? So last year was my very first JCK, and this was my second one, and it was JCK's 50th anniversary. My experience attending them both was last year was fun, last year was good, this year was easily much bigger, more people, more booths, more vendors than the previous year. JCK went all out this year. So what I saw was just a ton of different people. The energy, the vibe was huge. Everybody was excited about jewelry and the jewelry industry. Hmm. I guess that's one thing that we heard. Uh, Again, JZK, it's friggin' enormous. It's on like uh, four floors. It's that big that they, they can't even put it in one floor. And one of the floors is the biggest show that I've ever been to. And then there's four of them. Uh, but people kept on telling me, oh, this year, so, well, this was last year. Oh, this year, so um, everybody pulled out last second. It was right around, you know, some some unfortunate timing related to, to COVID. But it's good to hear that, you know, you thought that there was like kind of a, a, a pickup in the number of people there. 
Yeah. Um, and to kind of build up of what you just said, um, Pickup Media actually was one of the busiest booths I saw at the uh, event. A lot of people were checking out the different technology partners. I saw lab-grown diamonds being promoted everywhere. It honestly was just a huge vibe and just a ton of people going around talking about jewelry, doing social media activity. Everything was just popping. Hmm. I know that uh, people try to release things uh, leading up to um, JCK. Obviously, they want the biggest pop. I know that... Uh, I'm, I'm hesitant to say anything about Pickup Media, about whether or not they've released it. I'm pretty sure that they have, but I know that they have some really cool, exciting things coming down the down the pike. Um, what did you think the uh, consensus was, I guess, around lab-grown diamonds? Was there some some chatter about um, if people are going to be, you know, kind of leaning into that more? I know that it was uh, it's been hotly contested recently, but I think that seems like it's turning around. So lab-grown diamonds is one of those topics that comes up whenever somebody stops by the booth and something that we also talk to our clients about regularly. Hmm. Without fail, it seemed everybody was selling more and more lab-grown diamonds, and a lot of the big lab-grown diamond manufacturers were not only doing a lot of advertising in this um, event itself, but were also advertising on the strip. So when we go out in the evenings to dinner, meet with different you know partners and vendors, I was seeing a lot of the same advertisements that I was seeing on the convention floor out on the strip promoting, hey, you can get one carat, you can get two carat, here's the prices, here's the cut, color, clarity, all of that stuff. Lab-grown had a bigger presence than ever before. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. I have always wondered, though, about, hmm, I guess... People in the jewelry industry care a ton about the difference between lab-grown and natural diamonds. And this past couple of years, it's been a very important talking point. People have been very caught up in whether they should be carrying them or whether they should be only carrying natural diamonds because people might be turned away if they do carry, if they mix them, or if they should be uh, telling people as soon as they come into the store, like what their offerings are. Um, and then you talk to consumers and I feel like uh, people care about it a lot less than you'd expect. Uh, people just kind of want a lot of sparkle, as much sparkle as they can get for their dollar. And they care uh, a little bit less about like, you know, what that... Everybody buys an engagement ring or, or jewelry expecting to have it forever. And then to have them uh, be concerned about, oh, what can I buy it back for in 30 years? I feel like it's a little bit less um, of an of a important point for these consumers. Yep. But again, that's from a limited kind of insight. It seems like it's very important for uh, retailers right now and vendors. Yeah. The distinction I've been hearing from a lot of our marketing clients is people come into their stores wanting to buy a diamond, they naturally start gravitating toward lab-grown for the size and the price point. Those conversations around like um, practices or resale value in the future never really come up. Maybe they will in the future, but not right now. And right now, a lot of people are focusing on how can we make sales? How can we keep the trends going over the last few years? Mm. It kind of makes sense for a lot of you know stores to push in the lab ground a little bit more. So maybe let's focus on uh, our booth. Uh, so we have a booth there, Punchmark, um, and we're in the was it Technology Essentials or whatever they call it. Is it considered Edge Village? What 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 are they? Is that a technical name? So it actually was labeled Edge Village, and the Edge Village, <laughs> yeah, the Edge Village, 
And for the first year running, they had the Edge Village Educational Corner. Ah. So when you walk into JCK on that first main floor, um, technically it's floor two, maybe it might be, um, they have the, you know, the JCK talk section. So you can hear a bunch of different people speaking like, you know, our CTO, Brian spoke there, Ben Smithy and the Smithy group spoke there, a bunch of different people did. But then downstairs in the technology section, they had the Edge Village Educational Corner, where a lot of different people stopped by, would hear different presentations, get some product demos, and in general, like meet a bunch of technology partners and learn about what new and exciting things are happening in the industry. That was conveniently located just right by our booth. So it was a natural flow of people going to talk to the Edge, coming to talk to us, and then going to hear a bunch of other educational stuff. So we've always, uh, last year when people were talking with us, they were all trying to learn about, you know, getting on e-commerce. So we had a lot of people that were coming up to us that had never had e-commerce on, and now they wanted to get e-commerce on. Um, a little bit late to the party, if we're being honest, but whatever, better late than never. Uh, what did you feel like the common thread of conversation was uh, that you found with people coming up to our booth this year? From a marketing perspective, a lot of people were asking about the allocation of funds and advertising dollars. Are we investing in the right area? Is there other areas we should be investing in? Hmm. So I talked to people who are spending $3,000 a month. I talked to people who are spending $30,000 a month in advertising. Hmm. And we would kind of like sit down and talk like, okay, how much are you devoting toward like, you know, shopping ads? How much is going towards search ads? What are your priorities and then what are you seeing kind of trend-wise through the rest of the year for allocation? Hmm. We had a lot of conversations around that. On top of it, there was a lot of conversations around integrations. How can we better use um, apps like Podium or ClientBook better? Uh, should we be jumping on board more like a firm in payment processors? It was a wide gambit of things. Interesting. Yeah, uh, I mean, Apple just came out with uh, a buy now, pay later. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think that, I don't know if you saw, I, I love stocks. And uh, they announced that and Affirm's uh, stock, we love you Affirm, but yeah. Uh, Affirm's stock like tank like 17% or something crazy, literally like the next minute. I think that that, uh, I, what is it going to be called? Did they, have you even announced a name? It's it's going to really shake up the buy now, pay later because Apple is considered so reputable. And I think that they're going to be doing everything uh, in-house, you know, because mm -hmm. they already have Apple cards. They already have so much wealth on on um, their balance sheet that they can afford to pretty much take anything under their wing. Um, I hope, I know that our dev team is currently redoing our our payment gateway system uh, so that it could become more modular and we could plug more things in. And I know that as soon as we have that done, people are going to be clamoring to get uh, Apple's pay later in. Yep. Another big topic that happened at the booth was people wanted to talk about design. People wanted to talk about mobile optimization. People wanted to talk about navigation updates. Wow. And so a lot of people were basically just pulling out their phone and saying, hey, how can I optimize this site better for mobile, for e-commerce sales on mobile, all of those things. Wow. And that was a remarkably different conversation this year than last year, where it was a little bit more like, let's get e-commerce started. And now people are recognizing yeah. 60 to 80% of their online sales are coming from people on their mobile phones. And they're wanting to take advantage of that. 
how can we push mobile friendly or e-commerce friendly price points, categories? How can we grow that while also still going for the bridal, the engagement, the big ticket items? Yeah, I whenever we get to the point where we're talking about design, it always kind of excites me because that means that we've uh, we I say as in, but it's us and the retailers. Um, We've gotten to the point where we've bought in and they understand that the pieces for the puzzle are on the table and we can start moving them around. That's when design starts to kind of really uh, shine its its beautifulness is that we can take those pieces and and not just fight for people to get all the pieces out of the box. And instead, we can start uh, manipulating them so that we can decide, you know, what should be the first thing you see above the fold when you navigate to a website? It shouldn't be just your repair service. I feel like we got other things that we can offer you. And how well can you set up your uh, hamburger menu? You know, how can you lay out what's going to be presented to them when they open up their hamburger menu? Uh, these are all the, the things that, yeah. you know, people were having these conversations like, one year ago or three years ago when I was getting into it, it was all about like, what color should we have the header or something like that? And now people are like, what should we be doing to optimize our grid yep. or what can we be doing to optimize our footer? And I'm like, wow, we've come so far. It's really nice. Yep. I had a fascinating discussion with a business owner and their sales manager where we were kind of like arguing out, negotiating out what the order of things should be on their homepage. And we kind of settled on, like once you get past that first kind of image, hopefully not a slideshow, but you know, the first major image, you would have new products, uh, services, and then like custom. Hmm. The three major things that people care about the most. And then what goes to support it afterward, product carousels, all that stuff. But those are the things people care about the most. How are you putting it in front of them on their mobile phone to guide and direct their journey? So for people that are listening, if you want to start this interesting kind of conversation with yourself without talking to us, okay, so let's start this conversation. Um, think about the elevator pitch for your store. If someone is like, oh, what, is you, what does your store do? Oh, we're jewelers. And then people are like, okay, tell me about your jewelry store. What's different about you versus Case versus, you know, any of those big box brands? Um, well, whatever you're going to say to them in the first 15 seconds should be represented as high up in the page as possible. That's kind of like the rule of thumb. Um, oh, we do incredible bridal jewelry. You have a, an awesome bridal opportunity. Well, maybe that should be higher up on your homepage. Uh, the homepage is kind of losing its, its, um, its impact as much. I feel like, uh, it used to be everything started from the homepage. Now I think of your homepage as your best landing page. Um, but your homepage is going to start a lot of the traffic. It'll have the highest drop-off, but it'll start a lot of the traffic. And I think that it, um, it's definitely something that can be tweaked and it shouldn't be the same all the time. Honestly, every, every year at the minimum, but honestly, we see some of our clients do it every month, every season, every couple months, I would recommend that you're always sprucing it up with either new imagery or just laying out new sections. So... Yep. We used to see something like six or eight out of 10 people would start on the homepage. Now we're seeing two out of four people out of 10 starting on the homepage because people are going directly to the engagement page. They're going directly to the custom project page. They don't need to go to the homepage to find what they're looking for as often anymore. And that's, that's encouraging. Yeah. So again, like those landing pages, what we can just say is, 
your homepage is a landing page in essence. Um, it just happens to be the one that things usually filter back to. Mm-hmm. But what you can do with all those other landing pages is make sure, first of all, make sure you have a landing page for everything major in your sales pitch. So if you have bridal, you should have a bridal landing page. If you do custom, you should have a custom landing page. Uh, if you have services, you should have a landing page for all services. And honestly, probably a landing page for each individual service if it's important. And the reason why is you want to be able to direct people to it. But you can also... Uh, people have a more of an appetite when it comes to uh, reading more per page. Yep. So, for example, if you have a services page, um, you can talk about kind of broadly and overarchingly about your uh, services. But then instead of dumping all the information about your watch battery repair or whatever it is, Instead of dumping it on the overarching page, you can create a new landing page that talks about your watch battery repair uh, service, oh, yeah. and then put even more copy in it. And now you have two pages ranking well and indexing by Google instead of just one. Yep, and they convert that much better too when it's a little bit more tailored to the exact service. People can book the appointment right then and there. Absolutely. That's a good point. I, I think that um, with the release of... Again, this isn't just about Punchmark. This is about everybody. But we did release a, a new feature called Form Builder. And one thing I find really interesting, the more we use Form Builder... Um, the more I use Form Builder, uh, I'm making pages on punchmark.com and, and making things, and punchmark.com is built on our version 6. But one thing that's really fascinating is I find that pretty much every landing page should have a form at the end of it, if you think about it enough. Like, I'm making a, a page for in-the-loop sponsorships. It's like, yeah, I'd probably have a, a call to action at the end that's fill out this form and get in touch with us. And then I make like a landing page about our About Us page. Well, we're going to stick a, a form at the bottom of it that says, oh, are you a hardworking team player? Well, maybe apply and we'll see if we have a, an, a job opening for you. And it's funny how these call to actions can be customized into forms very easily. So, again, I could harp on the landing page uh, thing all day if, if you let me. But let's talk about also maybe the, uh, in skiing, they call it, I think, off piste. Um, like off the mountain. Uh, what was it like outside the show? Normally, Las Vegas is very well known for its nightlife scene, but also Jeweler is very well known for their uh, love of the party. <laughs> what, what, did you, what did you think? I thought it was a great time. Um, we had a number of partner dinners, met up with a number of different jewelers, uh, really good events and things. Um, oh, what's that bar that everybody goes to all the time? Electra? Electra was popping pretty much every night. So everybody loved that. We also set, um, apparently Las Vegas set a new record. It was like the hottest year on, or a hottest day on record for whatever time frame we were there. It was reaching upwards of 110, 110, 111 degrees every night. I would say in general, everybody was excited. Everybody was having a really good time. And it's funny, the number of people who would come to, they'd miss their appointment, come to the booth a little bit later because they had a really good evening and then just wanted to hang out and, Talk about jewelry and marketing. Yeah. What did you, uh, did you end up going to the uh, Jewelers Evolve party? Maybe you can kind of set that up. Jewelers Evolve was great. So Jewelers Evolve um, is a party that Punchmark and a number of our partners put down together. Um, we're over at the Sterling Club. And it was basically an evening full of live music, some entertainment. I think there was a magician walking around. There was a pool, food, good food, good drinks. It was a good time. Met a lot of different people, had a lot of different um, partners and vendors there. It was a late night, but it was an awesome night. 
Yeah. I always think that Jewelers Evolved is really interesting because it shares a lot of the backstory for a lot of uh, actually buying groups. When I talked to um, the folks over at RJO, uh, I noticed that it started out as a, as a party. They were like, oh, yeah, we always had a we had a buying show and then we would have a party afterwards. And then the next year we had a buying show and then we had a, a bigger party afterwards. And then it happened so many times that we were like, OK, we should, um, you know, have a membership thing for this. And then we should make it so that, you know, a portion of the proceeds that we make uh, goes towards paying for this party. And it's almost like that's kind of like what Jewelers Evolved has started as. It's like Mm -hmm. we wanted to have a party. We wanted to have our own party. So as a result, we got together with our friends and now we have a party that we do every year. And it's like, all right, where can we go with this thing? So that's pretty fun. It was easily the biggest party I went to with the exception of JCK Rocks. Um, I think it's just going to keep on growing every year. Nice. Um, anything else to kind of talk about with, with JCK? So far, we covered um, what the show was like, uh, what people were asking about, what the uh, after hours were like. Anything else to kind of touch upon? Did you do any buying? One thing, uh, sadly, I didn't do any buying, but I know various members of our team did. I, I looked around, but nothing nothing at the moment jumped out of me but you know i was also there to play slots and blackjack and stuff too so yeah um one thing humbly that kind of did jump out to me was i lost track of the number of people who came up to me randomly or stopped at the booth and said we really love the in the loop podcast wow there was quite a few people and every once in a while somebody would say hey i heard your episode that was good you know which you know put me on the spot like oh great i hope i said something you know helpful and beneficial yeah yeah. But in general, a lot of people were paying attention to it. And even people who were wandering through the Edge Village, you know, we had the banner set up in the loop. People would stop, read it, and take a photo of it and go on their way. Dang, that's so cool. So it just keeps on growing. And I'm I'm glad to be a part of, you know, in the loop. And hopefully we get a lot more great people on next season. Heck yeah. Wow, that's really cool. I remember um, at the workshop that we had, the client workshop, it was really interesting. Um uh, in I gave a presentation at it. We had this punch bar client presentation, uh, and I talked a bunch about um, sneakers. And I thought it was hilarious that someone came up to me and was like, oh, "I'm so disappointed that you weren't able to put your sneakers in the gem light box <laughs> that they're too small." And I was like, "How on earth did you know about that?" And then I was thinking about it. And I was thinking. I was thinking. And it like bothered me. I was like, why did they know that I tried to do that? And it's like, <laughs> I mentioned that in an episode. That is so weird that they knew something that I had forgotten that I had even done. Very strange. So, yeah, you know, it's good to know that we're making a little bit of traction. I hope that maybe one day we'll do uh, something. I'm trying to get some happy hours set up or something that we can do in the future. So very cool. I'd love to do a drive-by episode sometime of In the Loop where it's just like, you know, man in the street, like, yeah. Give us, give it, tell us what's unique about your store. That's what I'm hoping that we'll do something like that with, uh, with shows coming up that we can maybe, um, do some interviews or something, uh, at, at shows. And I'm definitely going to try to set that up soon. Speaking of shows coming up, um, if you're listening and you're going to be at IJO National Harbor or RJO Minneapolis, would love to sit down with you and talk to you about your website, e-commerce and digital marketing. There you go. And you can do that by going to punchbark.com sure that you'll be able to find it. It's in the top right corner. Just go click the shows and we'll uh, make an appointment. Stuart, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. And everybody else, I hope you had a good JCK if you went. And if not, maybe we'll see you at the next one. I'm hoping to go next time. I love Las Vegas. So 
Thanks, everybody. And we'll be back next week, Tuesday, with another episode. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you enjoyed the show and you want to help us grow, feel free to leave us a review and a rating. On Apple Podcasts, you can leave a review and rating via the app. And if you're on Spotify and you're on mobile, you can leave us a star rating on the In The Loop podcast page and just tap the top left corner and drop us a star rating. It really helps us grow. Thanks, everybody. New episodes every Tuesday.